faith and life. For some people, they're parallel roads. They never come into contact with each other. One never influences the other. Yet for some other people, faith and life are more like intersecting roads. Often they're running opposite each other, but where they do intersect, wonderful God moments can be experienced. But yet for just a few, the two roads merge into one, and the results are truly a highway to heaven. What does the road of faith and life look like in your world? It's been a little while since I've done a podcast, and I guess I've been intentionally quiet for a little bit just because of the elections and everything going on, but I think it's time to speak again. Uh, It's kind of interesting. Pfizer just dropped a bombshell uh, today saying that their vaccine is even more uh, effective than what they thought. Um, Some states are apparently even talking about and even some countries about mandating vaccines, so I think we need to get into that. The stock market is just going like crazy through the roof uh, because of the vaccine and because of Biden winning. Uh, the, the left is as giddy as they could possibly be in terms of uh, winning the election, at least from their perspective when it comes to the president. Um, and it's amazing how rosy everything got all of a sudden, just six days after the election. Uh, a week and a half ago, we were in for what was going to be a long, dark winter, and suddenly everything just became really, uh, wow, everything's coming together, and, and life is going to return back to normal, or so it seems. And so my question is, should life turn back to normal? Can it turn back to normal? Uh, do we want it to turn back to normal? So I've got John, John Elvis in here with me, and he's uh, my ministry partner here at Light of the World. And uh, he and I have crazy conversations all the time. So I wanted his perspective on um, what I wanted to talk about in this podcast, and that is, um, do we want life to turn back to normal? John, I would say that, do we want the country to turn back to normal? I'm not sure we do. Do we want the church to turn back to normal? Um, I'm not sure that we do. And even when you take relationships, whether it's been on social media or people that have hunkered down, you know, in their home or how people have handled this, our relationships have been somewhat strained by the fact that some of us handled it one way versus the other. How do we bring all that stuff back together? Do we bring it back to normal? And should it be brought back to normal? All right, give us some some of your thoughts. (laughs) Well, as you know, I'm going to pretend like we're not even doing a recording and we're just having a conversation because to me, those are the best. And uh, I'm not really worried about the popularity just the same way you're not and just having a conversation and and hopefully some people hear some truth and enjoy it. But for me, I I mean, I can't see how it gets back to normal. I, I don't see what that path would even look like, especially with everybody's emotions stirred to the top and everything else. But I can say out of the ones you mentioned, the one I wouldn't want to go back to normal the most would be the church. And I said this the other day, talking to a group that I think the day of the comfortable, complacent Christians is over with. I think we'll be able to tell our grandkids about it and they'll be able to tell their grandkids about it and all of those good things. But I don't think comfortable and complacent is anything a Christian can be anymore. Let me ask you, so is that tied at all to what's going on with the elections? In other words, is is there a way in which, if it's true, I hope you're right. I, I sort of can see it that way, but I guess I felt that way after September 11th and a bunch of things. So I guess I just tend to believe that nothing's going to change, but I hope that's not the case. But if the goal is, God's goal is that the, the, the church doesn't go back to normal, then how does that hinge on, on the Biden-Trump thing going on? In other words, if Trump wins, then is it more easy for the church to stay content? If Biden wins, is it easier for the church to maybe say, 
say, wow, we're, we're not for like forcing everyone to wear masks. We're not uh, for forced uh, vaccines that, the, that then the churches can get a, a voice. Do you see that being tied together at all? Yeah, I mean, I think it, the reason it's tied together is just how much attention's been paid to it. I think how much emotion's been tied to it and everything else for people, it doesn't matter which side they're on. I mean, I, I've often said that if Trump wins, we've got, you know, a fight as Christians coming up. And if Biden wins, we have a fight you know, as Christians coming up, I think it's different, like depending on what happens for a bunch of reasons too. But I definitely think it's hinged to the election. I don't necessarily ever give humans that much credit to say that, you know, a, a human could, could change. But in this, you notice how much attention was to it. I mean, social media flooded with it, media flooded with it. And anytime you can get a whole group of individuals thinking about the same thing, pondering the same thing, that's a problem. So for my whole life, I've tried to focus, you know, more on God than on politics for sure, because it just hadn't interested me um, until this year. And so I do think that it has a huge deal to do with it. I think that we have to stay free minded. We have to be able to understand that our Christian values and God is above all. I mean, we talk about uh, one nation under God, right? I think we, we talked about when that got put in, why it got put in, and now even with the effort of it being taken out. I mean, we're taking God out of schools. We're taking God out of different things. Like, we, we can't allow that to happen, and if we don't want that to happen, now we have to make a stand as Christians instead of just sitting back, enjoying, basking in the love of Jesus, like I say all the time. Now we have to fight for that again, and I think a bunch of people used to look at, you know, the Roman times and say, oh, yeah, I I I'd get burned at the stake for what I believe, and, and now, you know, that not that that would be exactly how it happened, people are going to have to stand up for what they said and where they would stand in those times. So the courts rule, if they do, that uh, Pennsylvania uh, acted inappropriately. Um, and then once they sort through the Ill illegal mail-in ballots in some of these states where it's really close, like Arizona and Georgia, let's say, you know, one ruling from the Supreme Court and then um, just some filtering of uh, some votes that shouldn't have been counted in the first place. Uh, Trump wins. Uh, the country uh, lights up with the left just uh, in, in just anger, um, just, just turning everything upside down. What is the church's role there? Um, will the church rise up and, and, and stand up against that? Will it be the role of a peacemaker? And honestly, I think that's probably the least likely scenario because I just don't see that uh, uh, there's that kind of courage, not only in the court, but even amongst Republicans to go against uh, the left that way. Um, but then how does that look different than, okay, Biden just won and now business as usual. Sure. Uh, so we'll come from a place and you can always know that I'm not a political guy. So you're getting a different look at it coming from this view. I'm also a chess player, not a checkers player. So I see down the road. So I look at it like, man, if they do reverse it and Trump wins, it is going to go crazy. It's, it's, it's been a crazy year. I mean, you look at it, it riots and people burning down cities and all the crazy things that have happened. And when I, the way that I viewed it is somebody that hasn't been in politics. I thought, man, that is insane. Is that what we really want? And you think if Biden gets in, I think it will calm down. And I think that it'll be the underneath and the behind the scenes attacks and things that happen. And that all of a sudden we're sitting in a world none of us wanted to be in left or right. And it seems that direction. But again, our minds could be just being messed with by the media and social media that politics even have that kind of power. But I think this is the first year that we've kind of seen, I guess it does, especially when you string minds together about a certain topic. So to answer your question directly, I think if it gets reversed and Trump gets in, it's going to go crazy and the world will lie 
light up. Is the church a peacemaker in, in that, or does it stand up for uh, those same principles that uh, Trump oftentimes fights for? We're just gonna, I don't know that peace is even a possibility. I think the church is going to have to stand up, and we're going to have to be more. It's almost like when you're trying to build a congregation, you have to talk to everybody and make sure that you keep as many people as possible, and that's the political view on it. And I think more from now on, we're going to have to take a stand. We're going to have to say what we stand for. We can't just say, oh, we kind of accept this and we kind of accept this, especially when it comes to biblical things. I've been disgusted with that for a long time, that even in the church, we don't know what we really stand on and believe when we have the only source of truth there is, which is the Bible. And if we care about it that much, it's almost been in the Christian communities to me, Father, Son, Holy Bible, then that's where we need to go right now to find the truth. And if that's where we find the truth, then we have to take stands on the things that we believe in and quit accepting all these things that are outside of the Word of God as okay to us as Christians, period. So you uh, you came in my office not too long ago, and I'm like, all right, we got to stop talking about this and, and start <laughs> recording it. But you mentioned that apparently, and I haven't seen the, the article, but uh, that in New York State, there's talk that they're going to mandate vaccines, uh, even people that try to save religious uh, liberties. Um, what t- Tell me a little bit more about what you heard and what you think about that. Well, again, when I stay out of politics, I stay out of politics. And this year I couldn't. And I, I have other things to think about other than politics in this situation. And I have young kids. You know, I have a three-year-old and I have a one-year-old and I'm looking at the, you know, the death rate for them being so low and everything like that. And now we're talking about mandatory vaccines. So I have to put something that y'all threw together and are telling me that is okay for my child to take. That's a scary situation. Now I have to look at it and I have to pay attention to the, really the source I don't like, which is the media. And what I came across is just in New York, they were trying to figure out a way to make it where it was mandatory that, that the vaccine was given to everyone. And that means they're not even going to take your religious beliefs, your philosophical beliefs, nothing like you you have to take the vaccine and that's just a scary thing to me I mean as a parent like I'm not so worried about myself I'm not so worried about my wife both of us are like whatever but to think about putting something into our kids like that that we don't really know what it's gonna do when they talk about vaccines taking years and years and years to perfect and all of a sudden this one magically just happens to work it's just hard to swallow that it's hard to take that as an answer and I hope I hope that there's a ton of parents out there feeling the same way that we can put our political views aside when it comes to this and just think about who we are as parents, which is way more important than which if we're left or right or whatever else. And so that was just a scary thing to me, especially to look at it and to try to think of it objectively and say, man, I, this is how I hope it goes. But we've seen this year that the way we hope it goes doesn't really matter. I mean, we don't mandate, you know, really any vaccine like that, let alone most comparable like a flu vaccine. But you know, the pharmaceutical companies are going to be totally in favor of that because they, they stand to like uh, make a mint on uh, everyone in this country. And, and what I mentioned on S- Sunday, like what happens in one country happens everywhere around the world. So basically you've got seven, eight, bi- how many ever billion people we got in the world now um, that they're going to produce that many vaccines and get paid for it. it. It's a crazy amount of money that they stand to make. And it goes to what I said on Sunday is that there's an unholy trinity that's developed in our culture. And that unholy trinity starts with corporations whether that's Pfizer or whoever, where, where they are trying to push an ideology even more than their brand or their products. I don't care if that's Frito-Lay. I don't care who. To, the reason they get into all this stuff is, is they're promoting an ideology, which at some point, I guess in cases like this, benefits them when, when they're able to uh, get the government to go along with mandating vaccines and so forth. But that unho- unholy trinity is the uh, corporations followed by the news media, which gets behind it and promotes and fans the fear. And then, um, then obviously the government. And we see that that's really the same thing that's going on in this. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I just think like madness is madness. And we talked about it when we were sitting in your office. I feel like I'm sitting here as a Christian strong leader. That's what I feel about myself looking at this tsunami size wave coming this way. And it's like when you think about how do we beat it, it's, it, it's, it's hard to even say we can. And so you start thinking about how many people can we get on board before the wave hits. And uh, in the wave, I guess I can say is fear itself, right? We say God does not grant us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So any time in any year that fear is fanned at the rate that it is this year, I got I'm looking everywhere to try to figure out why. Right. And I'm just I'm a skeptical person by nature. So something like this, it's just crazy to me how much fear has been fanned and what's the purpose of it. And at the end of the day, who's getting the largest advantage of all of us being in this state of fear and how do we come out of it together? I think you mentioned it. We talk about church. We got to come together as a Christian base and try to help each other not live in fear all the time. And also, if need be, push back against things we don't believe in. This isn't something we can just sit back and accept. So in the end, you would say that you don't think things will go back to normal. Um, and do you see them getting better or getting worse then? Uh, so there's a movie that I like, and I can't even remember what it was now, but it was Sean Connery said it, and they were talking about peace. And he said, there's a peace that only comes on the other side of war. Right. And we, in the war we see is like, let's send our militaries out and let's fight and everything else. But especially us in the Christian community, no, it's never been against flesh and blood anyways. It's a spiritual war. And if we think we're not in a spiritual war right now, then I, we might have to get our IQs checked. Right. We are. We know we are. It's very obvious. And we have been for a long time, but no more than 2020. I think hindsight's 2020 will never mean the same thing. But no, I don't think it goes back to normal. And no, I don't think that it's going to get peaceful anytime soon. And no, in a way, I'm not worried about it. Right for myself again, because I really do believe God didn't grant me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. But again, I have young kids. So now I'm looking at this world that we're creating from them. And I'm looking at us as adults and saying as all together as a country, at least, have we failed as adults that we're in this situation? Are we thinking about our kids in this future? Or only we, are we only thinking about who's going to be the president of the United States and letting everything else not mean anything? It's just a crazy year. And I think as Christians, again, if we got our priorities in line and really looked at it and stood together as a church body like we could if we were strong then it would be game over and we could at least have that war that leads towards peace again so i talked in the sermon on sunday just how unchristian thoughts are uh have made their way into even the evangelicals like the cream of the crop of the religious uh they just statistically we believe a bunch of things that that aren't biblical so you know we, we go into uh in, into this year and, and one of the big things about this past year is that you know it's obedience to government so churches were trying to stay closed they're doing this and this that in order to be obedient to government and there's the, there are those passages in the scripture that that talk about that obedience um, but then there's the other side of that that God uses his people to uh, bring change and, and where evil has prevailed uh, for ultimately good to to triumph so what is what is the church's role in 2021 as we start to come out of this or the whole world's lit up you know depending which way it goes but assuming biden biden's election's not overturned and and uh we're trying to head back to business as usual even though it's a business that maybe we're uncomfortable with the question is is what is the what is the role of the church uh, going forward, uh, because we don't really want the church to go back to normal, but yet uh, there's still kind of this concept of obedience to government. Sure. And so um, how does that play itself out in a Christian's life when it comes to the vaccine? Let's say if we're ordered to, to all uh, 
uh, get vaccinated or, you know, a nationwide mandate on masks or, or whatever it is, um, whether it's based upon fear or, or whatever special interest, uh, does the church, uh, does the church become and continue to be obedient to government or do we uh, step aside and say we can't do it anymore? I mean, I think it's really hard to say that we we don't stand up for what we believe no matter what. I think that any time that our country is in the state that it's in, then government's failed overall. I mean, and that's a hard, heavy thing to say, right? But if that's the question, that's kind of my answer to it is if this is where we, we've gotten to and they were OK with it because it was an election year to just tear apart our country and tear apart everyone and divide and conquer, then did government not fail us in that way that it even allowed that to happen? happen that we that we not only allowed it to happen we could say we caused it to happen it's just hard to say you know and I understand that we have good Christians that are on the left we have good Christians that are on the right and I think that to answer your question we have to forget about those things and look at where what we believe as Christians as people who follow Jesus as people who believe that Jesus was the son of God and that he came and died for our sins so that we could live the life that we have lived to this point and if we can't stand up for what we believe in now and forget about the politics of it almost what are what is our foundational beliefs and do these things fight against our foundational beliefs as christians and if they do and we don't fight and we just submit it's a problem so in the end we uh we both agree that uh uh, things shouldn't go back to normal Mm -hmm. but you believe that they won't and i guess i tend to lean that they may very well (laughs) you think they'll go back to normal um People like dysfunction. Mm-hmm. It's hard to break free from dysfunction. And when you think about it in people's families and so forth, you know, one person tries to make a change, inevitably in, in that dynamic, people will pull on that person to try to bring them back into that dysfunction. I think the same thing's gonna happen in 2021. Even if there's a, there, there's a, a political movement or a religious movement to break free from the what I truly believe is clear dysfunction, mm-hmm. um, there's gonna be such enormous effort made to try to pull pull whatever that group is back into that dysfunction i guess i just uh i have a hard time envisioning um that they're not successful because are people really willing to stand up to that i mean we talked about cancel culture in church and the whole concept of cancel culture is you basically just shout down the other person and, and you guilt them into it or you make them scared or they just don't want to have to deal with it or mess with it so they choose not to it's really what ultimately e- even if if votes were stolen uh, that changed this uh, this election and, and some underhanded things were done, uh, Republicans, many of them, are, just aren't going to want to go through the drama. Sure. They're not going to want to uh, to deal with the fight. They don't want to damage their political party. There's all these things which then cause them to just fall back into an accepting dysfunction. Yeah. So I think that that inevitably is always what it defaults back to. How come you see it as, as something different? I don't know. I I guess it's just a feeling of that I always felt like there was going to be a time that we would have to fight for what we believed in. And that if this has all happened and, and it's gotten so big, how could it go back? How could it ever go back to normal? How could it ever go back to where we aren't, we don't have this high tension and we don't have these feelings and, you know, our kids, what we've just had to put them through during this time in school and everything else. Like, I, It's just heightened to the point to me that I think if they could sing a lullaby and put all, all us Christians back to sleep again where we are comfortable and complacent, 
would that be a nicer look for a little while? Sure. But I just guess I don't see the route back in the path back with tensions as high as they've gotten in people's minds where they are uh, to get back to where we're comfortable and complacent again. And uh, I lean towards hoping it will only because I'm a parent. Right. And I lean towards wanting it to stay crazy because I'm a radical Christian on fire for God guy. And I wasn't always. You know, I I always had God in my heart, but it was different. People that knew me from my past knew I was a success-driven guy and and the things that matter to me now didn't matter to me then. And I'm also a guy you can look at as I was outside of politics. So when you hear my view, like there's very few things I could tell you I just don't know a whole lot about. Uh, just to pick up where we were, uh, to make it clear, and I want it to be, and it's funny that we'll we'll split this up into two because some people won't even listen to the back half later on. They'll just be like, oh my gosh, this guy. I, I have never studied politics, cared about politics at all. And, and not because I don't care and not know that it's something to do with our society and it holds us together and it's made the United States what it's made. It's not disrespect to that. It, it's that I don't know what to, what's real, what's true. And I feel like the media has, has never done a good job, as long as I've been alive, with giving us the the truth. And so I didn't want to pay attention to something that I didn't know that I could trust. And so my view on politics is very limited. I'll say that. And And when I'm passionate about something, I make sure I'm not limited on what I know. This year, it was apparent who was on what side by actions that were taken. And I don't know that there's ever been a year that it was more obvious to me who was left, who was right. And that is, it's sad. It's upsetting because I think that especially as Christians, and if we're one nation under God, at least for the 70 years we allow it to be in there that we would be more together on these things and understand that we're fighting for our rights we're fighting for our freedoms we're really fighting for a future that our children are going to have to live in so i'm getting passionate about it now because i know that there's an outcome i want and so when i'm able to see just by somebody's actions where they stand that's a sad uh, sick time that we live in and and i hope to be able to help heal that as being somebody who's coming from the christian community so, I, I mean, I, I get that we as Christians know that a lot of this stuff has to change. Uh, but, the, you know, the question is, is, you know, you, you seem to think that, that things won't go back. I kind of think that they will and because we will always drift back to dysfunction. But you even said within yourself there's the radical side of you and then there's the dad side of you. The dad side of you wants the best for your kids. You want them to be able to go to a comfortable school. You want them to live in a nice house. You want them to uh, probably take nice vacations and just to enjoy life. Sure. The dad side of you does. The radical side is like I don't care. You know, fine. If I have to be put in prison, if I have to be put to death, if, they, if I have to live on the street, I don't care. We're going to do what's right. So how do you reconcile those two? And then with a church that's really been corrupted, it really has. Um, and and we've, we talk about that on Sundays a lot around here. Uh, but but the, the question is, is, are we as Christians willing to sacrifice the comforts of our lives? Not just the comforts of our lives. That's easy. But the comforts of our kids' lives in our grandkids' lives in order to take a stand and say, you know what, enough is enough. Uh, we can't keep going down this road anymore. Sure. Because if there's going to be change, that's going to have to happen. And it seems to me like, you know, if it's based on the human, the human's going to always drift back into dysfunction. And I would say, no, we as a church, I'm not seeing a small part of the church one, but a significant enough of the church, are they going to stand up to really do that and leave that? I would say probably not. So if it doesn't go back to normal, I would see that as a God thing because I don't think humans have that capacity to do it. Uh, but, but how do you balance those two sides of you out? 
Man, uh, that's, a, that's a question that has layers of an answer. I think if anybody answered reflexively uh, to that, they'd be lying. So I'll say that what I have to look at and, and the thing that will uh, trump everything, if you will, <laughs> I know that used to be a fun thing to, to use, uh, is that where are my priorities at? Like actually at. So if I say that I'm somebody who's God first, family second, right? And then career, then it should be pretty easy. Right. But as a parent and being one, this isn't something I can just talk about not from experiencing it is it is hard, but I'm God first and then I'm God in my family and then I'm God in my career. And so whatever it takes, whatever we have to do to make this right, at least within the church body and get as many people on board, because what we're called to do as Christians is get more (laughs) and get more people to see the truth. The cool thing, if there is a cool thing about 2020, is it's really easy to see the light when you're in the dark. And so if we've been in the dark and we have, then the light is easier to see. The truth is easier to see. The fruit of how someone is. Now, the truth is easier to see. But like that passage I I quoted on Sunday from John 8, 8, where Jesus says, because, you know, basically because you've been following the father of lies, why do you not understand me? Mm -hmm. So Jesus speaks the truth, but the truth actually becomes confusing when you've been living in the darkness and amongst the father of lies. Sure. So I guess then that would really determine and once again be a litmus test to who has the lenses. I mean, why does it say throughout the Bible, if you have the ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, then listen. And I think that's a time where the people with the lenses are more comfortable. I've said it many times that this was the most abundant year of my life because I do trust God. And even though it's been crazy and even though it's getting crazier by the day, it seems like what I have trust in is truth. What I have trust in is him. And I actually really do. I think people are being tested on even their faith level and even their belief level right now, depending on how they feel. And then that will say the church you've been going to, how they've been serving you. And if they've been giving you the correct food, because if they were giving you the correct food right now, you'd be okay. Yes, we would still be madness. We still have things to discern. But if you're in complete madness horror right now, that'll tell you that you didn't believe the things that you believed when you're a comfortable, complacent Christian. So some of the positives are we get to see who's really on our team. Like I really have no doubt that John MacArthur's on our team after he stood up for what he did in California and, and now they're doing what they're doing. It's pretty easy to see. And then there's other Christian leaders that I used to hear a lot from that I don't hear a lot from now. And, and why would that be? So I think for me to answer your question, I have to side on the radical for God and understand that that might mean that I don't get to live the comfortable life that I definitely have been able to live my whole life and that my family has been able to. And if that's what it takes, that's where we have to be. And we got to put our money where our mouth is, so to speak, to, to stand up for those things. Yeah, I love um, I love what MacArthur's doing out in California. Uh, and for those of you who are listening to this, don't know that story, but you know, finally, honestly, he took a little longer than what I would have hoped but he just, as California restricted uh, churches from meeting, um, he decided to start violating the order. Um, and apparently there's an arrangement that he had with, uh, I don't know, it was it L.A. County or? Yeah, yeah parking lot. Yeah, uh, for a parking lot. And, uh, and when they started uh, meeting again, uh, the government, which for 20 years had given them permission to, to use this space for parking, uh, took it back. They've uh, taken them to court. Um, I'm not even really sure where the status is. I was asking, I don't know if it was you or someone else about it last week, uh, where it was all at and it sounded like initially the courts were ruling in his favor but california was going back and pressing the issue uh from 
other angles and so forth. But MacArthur was willing to, you know, listen, he he was in good with the government and it was working to his advantage in some respects. And he was willing to risk that all in order to do what uh, he thought was right. And I really think that that's ultimately a, a big problem in the church nowadays. And, and I've been saying this for a while. It's just like, I think now people are willing to listen. Uh, but, but, but churches are so compromised based upon, you know, how how many members I, I have. And if I take a stand that's unpopular, can I stand to lose a third of my members? And then there's those influential members that are there. Like, what if I lose the biggest givers? Or what, what if they fire me because the person who's on the board of directors has a stance opposite this? And so pastors really become beholden to the flock rather than to God. And, and I just see that this is being played out all across the country. And does that change? And how does that change? Yeah, I don't. I think it's such a complex issue, and I think it was on purpose made a complex issue. And I'll go back to what you said about it. It'll be confusing to hear the truth now. You look at people that make stands. I'll say this, and this should be a whole nother podcast episode. And a matter of fact, I'm not going to say it right now. We'll make a whole nother podcast episode for it because it's complex. But we want to tear everybody down now, you know, and, and we want to make everybody look like a villain where the villains just get to do whatever they want to do. And they were villains anyways, and so it doesn't matter. And I think that we got to start looking for strong leaders again. And what is a strong leader? Somebody that's willing to stand up no matter what, no matter what the law is or anything else, to something that there's a law above. And God's law is above the law. And yes, we're supposed to follow it, but not to the extent that we're breaking God's law in the process, right? And so it, it is hard to discern. It is hard to see sometimes. I can't even tell you that, that I'm the person to, to look to for those answers, but I'll go to James where the fruit of your faith tells me, right, that your works don't get you to heaven. But if you have true faith, you will have works, right? That little conundrum that's set up is how people are being in this time shows you who they are. And we need strong Christian leaders to get us through this time, no matter where we're headed, whether it's going to stay radical and it's going to go that direction, we'll need a different type of leader. If it's going to get calm and complacent again, um, like maybe you believe that it will, we'll need a different type of leader then to remind people that, no, did you see what we got into, there's a dilemma and there's a problem. And now we know there is. And so we were woken up to that idea. Can't be comfortable and complacent. We have to take action and we have to step up as leaders and build ourselves up. I can't really necessarily judge someone else if I'm not doing all the work for myself to be a leader in my house, at my church, out in public, everywhere else. And and if we can get those things in order, none of us are going to be perfect. That's the beauty of being children of God is we're not looked to be perfect. We shouldn't be judging each other, even though we're the most judgmental group of people you could ever get together. And we have to look for strong leadership no matter which way it goes in 2021. We want hindsight to be 2020 in a way that we don't repeat. Yeah, you said something that just a short tangent I want to go off on. And and I don't really get surprised by much, but this is what I have been surprised by recently is you you talk about we're just in a time in which we want to really tear others down to justify our own positions. Now, as a pastor of this church, I took a a position that was unpopular uh, with many. And that is like, we're we're not going to live in fear of the virus. Um, That, that, you know, we've brought a lot of this stuff upon ourselves. It doesn't have to be as bad as we've we've made it, that that the ramifications of what we've done uh, is so much worse than the virus itself. Um, I know for a fact that there are people who are even part of this church that want to see me fail (laughs) and see the stance that I take fail. So how crazy is it that we don't even really want to care about what truth is? We don't really want to even care about what, you know, who God is and the fact that God himself may be putting protection around churches that are living according to faith, which we know that God does do that. Mm -hmm. We would rather 
be vindicated for our own personal take on it and see God's church fail, to see something implode, to see God's miracles not happen, if that even be the case. Um, that How crazy is that? Yeah, I, I think uh, divide and conquer being the enemy's plan and us knowing that ahead of time and allowing it to happen is hard. I think that as a church body, not just a church body in the world, but a church body specifically right here, if we can't come together, if we can't have hard conversations, if we can't see other opinions and understand that the stance that you took is biblical and to say how check ourselves and figure out where we are in that enough to have a conversation and not just want it to fail. So then we're saying what we want is we want a church to fail. What? So we can go somewhere else where they're succeeding. This is a hard time for all churches right now. It's hard for all of them to pick a stance and where they want to be. So I respect one that does. And I think that we all should. And whether we go there or we don't to at least have the conversation of where are you at with that? Are you in a perfect place? If you're sitting at home and thinking the church is doing the wrong thing, are you really thinking the right way? Are we reading the Bible in these times? Are we praying in these times? Are we really trying to discern it? Or do we just assume our opinion's correct? I think that the modern day Christian, just like you said on Sunday, we think we're hearing from God, but are we discerning whether it's God, us, or even the other side? That guy's name I don't even like to say, right? Is it that other thing? Is it the devil himself? Is it God? Is it us? Is it the devil? A lot of times it's a mix of the three and Mm -hmm. we're trying to figure out what it is. And so all I would say is challenge the people that are at home upset about what a church stance is and think within yourself, do you really have it right? Because what are the chances you really have it right in these times? They've mixed us up on purpose where we can't see what the truth is. To find it, we have to find it within ourselves, and not just, you know, point the finger at someone else and say, you're doing it wrong and I'm just going to sit back and hope you fail. We hope the church fails. Like if we're Christians who are hoping the church fails, then we're really super lost. That, that is messed up. <laughs> now you, you brought it up. You brought up the guy that I talked about in, in service on Sunday that you don't even like to bring up his name, uh, but he does a master, masterfully job, and, and I'm going to say uh, Satan, at, at taking half-truths and mixing it together so that we can't discern. He confuses us. He gives us that spirit of confusion. Um, I haven't talked with you about it, but it was a, a big emphasis of what I mentioned is that Satan is not this grotesque, um, uh, horned, pitchforked, you know, yeah. scary person that would be really ineffective at doing what he's doing. Yeah. And I showed a picture of this this kind of uh, really attractive, kind of deceptively whatever yeah. uh, man uh, that to me that that's Satan. Um, what, what was your take on, on, on that different view of, of Satan? Because, you know, we're all used to the ghost hunters, like yeah. the demonic things, the voices, things being thrown, yeah. uh, you know. It, but if that's how Satan worked, he would stink at his job, yeah. but he's really good at it. Yeah. So what, what was your thoughts on that? Uh, funny, and uh, my wife's going to be mad at me for this one, <laughs> but we'll do it anyways. I mean, you got her with the picture, right? <laughs> right? right. She kind of looked up, and I saw her face, and it was like, funny because it did the thing. Right. It did what it needed to She's do. Like, yeah, he's kind of yeah. hot, right? <laughs> hey, that guy's kind of attractive <laughs> right, right yeah. there. And she did. And, and it was funny because it, it was a perfect portrayal of what it would be, and it even says it, and it's biblical, that it, you're not going to be able to see what it is. And let's think, let's say what attractive is to people even. It doesn't even yeah. necessarily have to be looks. It could be something that we're drawn to. So it could be anything. Satan's good at drawing us to what we're attracted to. So are we attracted to our phones? Are we attracted to other corrupt things that are taking over our mind? We're watching the news too much. We're looking at our phones. We're attracted to things that are distracting us from God. And there's never been an easier time than right now in 2020 to distract everyone. On top of distract everyone. On top of scare everyone. So now we're more into the things that we're attracted to because that's the only place we can find solace. 
So now we're finding solace in the things that are corrupting us. And that's the kind of chess game that Satan plays and has us all in a daze that the only way we can survive it is to be together and not apart. And so we have to come together as a church, even if that's painful, even if that means I specifically have to sacrifice pride to have a conversation and the other person has to sacrifice pride to have the conversation. The last time I checked prides before the fall, pride's not a good thing. And why does God tell us that? Not necessarily the pride that we look at, but if I'm having a conversation with a brother or a sister, right, in Christ, and I can't sacrifice my pride to have a loving conversation because we both want the same thing and that we're together in these times, then we have a super problem. But if we can hit on it and say, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to talk through it. Doesn't matter what I got to do. And I want to get to a place where at least I feel comfortable instead of standing off on the sideline somewhere, hoping that we fail. Now we're hoping Christians fail. Yeah, that's that's insane. Yeah, if there's anything that has to be like a gut check, reality check, just whatever, mm-hmm. is when when we're rooting against God Himself, His Church, which is His bride. Um, the, the, we just really have to check ourselves. Yes, for sure. Well, man, I appreciate you uh, helping me digest some of uh, these uh, really kind of interesting topics and times. And um, I think we'll be doing more of these. We have these conversations at least once a day. Uh, yeah. We just never record them. But right. um, uh, any any kind of closing thoughts uh, uh, for this one? Yeah, I mean, for people that made it to the end, because I understand how these things work. And sometimes you get frustrated with something specific that's said, and you now you don't want to listen, and you're upset. Like I'll, I'll just say, like even though there's times that I come at it in a direction it's tough love or love. Those are the only two things that I care about right now because I want God to win, right? And we know God does win, but I want him to win in everybody's hearts and everybody's minds, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. I want him to win in those three places for as many people as we possibly can right now. So if you ever hear me talk or a pastor talk, you understand that it's tough love or it's love. And sometimes people need tough love to see the truth. But at the end of the day, we're trying to get you to the same place. And that's coming to church, you know, battling this crazy lion that's trying to devour all of us together and none of you out on your own. That's the idea. These are not being made. His sermons are not being made to chase people away. They're to try to bring people into the only place that's truth. And that's the true motive. So if you get anything else out of it than that, we might have to check some pride. And that's really how the message closed on Sunday is that, uh, you know, by, by looking at God, by looking at his word, by looking at Jesus, by removing, uh, not inviting uh, confusion into our lives, uh, then we know the truth. And ultimately, it is that truth that sets us free. Yes. All right, John, thanks so much. I appreciate your time. And uh, we'll have to do this again next week. Yes. All right. Sounds good.